This is Church Alive's Teaching of the Week by Pastor Gene Amoson. For additional teachings or information about the church, go to churchalive.net. Good morning, Church Alive. How are we? Come on. How many of you are happy to be here today? Anybody? Good deal. Good deal. Well, hey, before we get into things, I just want to tell you, I missed you last week. I was out last Sunday with a couple of pastor friends of mine. We were in Central America. And let me tell you, we had a great service down there, but it's not the same as being in your home church. Anybody know what that's like? And so it's good to be with you today. But hey, welcome. It's great to have you. We're doing something different for a little while. Is everybody okay with different? Come on now. Y'all okay with this? You are eating popcorn in church right now. Church Alive has been around for over 25 years, and that has never happened before. <laughs> we are doing something a little bit different today, and i got to be honest with you, this is even outside of the norm for Gino, and we just wanted to do something a little different for the summer. How many of you know summer's about having a good time, summer's about having fun, and I know a lot of folks vacation. In fact, we got a lot of people that are traveling this weekend, but we wanted to do something that would just be a little different and of course, this is an opportunity for us to tell our friends about what's going on at the church as well. But we want to let you know that we're going to look at some movies in the coming weeks, and we're going to pull out some biblical principles. Everybody say biblical. biblical. Because how many of you know we value the Word of God at Church Alive? And we're not going to get into anything kind of crazy. I don't know about y'all, but have y'all noticed that most of the movies that are coming out these days are just stuff you'd never want to waste your time or your money on? Anybody notice that? But we're going to take a hand, we're going to handpick some movies, and we're going to look at maybe some principles in there, and then what the Word of God says. And it may seem strange, but I think we're going to be able to pull some really good stuff out of some movies in the coming weeks. Why would we maybe use movies even in church? Why would we use stories to even look at what the Word says? If you look at Matthew 13, verse 34 and 35, it says this. It says, Jesus always used stories and illustrations like these when speaking to the crowds. In fact, he never spoke to them without using such parables. This fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet, which, by the way, that was spoken in Psalm 78, verse 2. It fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will speak to you in parables. I will explain things hidden since the creation of the world. So Jesus, the greatest teacher of all, used stories whenever he was giving people the word. We also find this with other authors as well. How many of y'all ever heard of C.S. Lewis? Anyone? C.S. Lewis actually writes stories, fantasy stories, to tell about the story of Christ and others as well. He was also the author of the book Mere Christianity, which will blow your mind, by the way. But others do this as well. So we just saw the opening of Man of Steel, and this is the movie that we're looking at this week. Of course, this is part of kind of the Superman series. And if you watch this movie, if you ever haven't, it's, it's pretty good. Uh, if you watch this movie, it's absolutely full of spiritual symbolism and messianic imagery. Now, you might not know this, but whenever this movie came out about 10 years ago, it's got a little bit of age on it, the creators of this movie actually marketed it to churches and got the content of the movie to churches. And the reason was, is let's just be honest, they wanted to make some money, right? So they were marketing it to churches. So I'm sure that was the first reason. But at the same time, they knew whenever they wrote the movie that there was a whole lot of symbolism and a whole lot of parallels between this and the story of Jesus. Whenever you look at the writers or the creators of Superman back in the day, years back, it was actually two Jewish fellows who created 
the Superman character and the inspiration came from Samson in the Bible. They saw his just crazy supernatural strength and that's where the Superman character actually came from was just their knowledge of the Old Testament. So it's a pretty cool movie for us to look at this first week. Anytime you see a superhero movie, there's always going to be a superhero, but then there's always going to be what? A villain, right? A bad guy. We all know who the villain is in our life, right? Satan, the enemy. Uh, but we have the greatest hero of all. Come on, somebody. I mean, we've got a real Superman uh, that we have a relationship with. Amen. And so we're going to look at that today. And today's title is, is We Need a Savior. Everybody say, we need, a savior. we need a Savior. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I don't care what your situation is. If you think you got it all together, you need a Savior. Yeah. And we're going to look at that today. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about the clip we just saw because I kind of want to set up a little bit of the movie and how we can pull something from it today. I want to mention a few of the characters. Uh, first of all, you saw what appears to be Superman. Now, on Earth, remember back in the old series and, and that sort of thing, what was his name on Earth? Clark Kent. Clark Kent, right. It was Clark Kent. Well, in the movie, kind of before he ever comes to Earth, his name is Cal, K-A-L-E-L. Okay, Cal-L. Then he comes to Earth, and he's called Clark Kent. So that was Superman. His father, which was Russell Crowe, was George, J-O-R-E-L. Now, let's think about this just for a minute. E-L is a name for God in the Hebrew. Isn't that interesting how they did that in the writing? So you've got Jor-El, which would stand for God in the movie, or the Father. You've got Kal-El, which would be, we're going to say this would symbolize Jesus in the movie. And then you've got General Zod, the creepy guy, who would obviously represent the enemy in the movie, or Satan. And so I've talked about these parallels between maybe the storyline and the word, or Jesus. And let me just mention a few of these to you real quick. Uh, Superman's birth name, again, Kal-El. Jesus is called Emmanuel. El is Hebrew for God. Uh, Jor-El, in the movie, Russell Crowe, sent his only son, Kal-El, to the earth to be the light of the world. And I think our God did the same thing, didn't he? He sent his only son from heaven to earth to be the light of the world. Superman's earthly parents, in the movie, uh, were a very humble and godly couple Kind of sounds familiar, right, to the Word of God. That's what Joseph and Mary were. Ironically, in the movie, the parents are Jonathan and Martha, not Joseph and Mary, but very close. You guys see, there was some intentional writing with this movie, right? You can tell that. Clark Kent becomes Superman at the age of, guess, what age did he save the world in the movie? 33. At 33, he saves the world, and at 33, Jesus was crucified and saved you and I. Come on, somebody. At 33, in the comic book storyline back in the 90s, Superman was killed, and later he came back to life, and our God was put on the cross, but he was put in a tomb, and three days later, he showed him how it's done, and he showed him that he was God by walking out of that tomb. Amen? That's what he did for you and I. So there's these great parallels between the movie and the Word, and of course, the writing had so much to do based on the story of Jesus. Uh, but Superman, as a baby, in this movie, Man of Steel, uh, he's sent to Earth by his father. And in the movie, his father even tells him, you can save them all. And I want you to know, Jesus came to Earth to save you and to save me. He was on a mission to do that. 
And we see years later in the movie, if you watch it, that Superman ultimately was needed to save the earth. I want you to know around 2,000 years ago, God did the same thing for us. Uh, in a nutshell, just to tell you why, uh, whenever Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, there was sin that got in between mankind and a perfectly holy God. Sin got in between us. And so that was a problem. It put man out of right relationship with God. And you had the law of Moses, which consisted of 613 different laws. But how many of you know it would be impossible to keep 613 laws? As a matter of fact, you could keep 612, but you still would not be perfect in the eyes of God. See, this is why the law and grace message needs to be taught. People can never be saved by being good enough because still there's sin and they're not perfect. And that's why we need the grace of God. And that's why I'm so grateful for the grace of God. And by faith through grace, you can be saved. Amen. So man couldn't keep the law and everybody sins, all of us, even us in church today. But what becomes of our sins? They're all accounted to us. And Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is what? Death. But the gift of God, everybody say the gift of God. The gift of God, which is made available to you and me if we want to receive the gift. And let me just stop right here and say, you don't have to take it. It's up to you. But it's made available to you. And it won't cost you nothing as far as monetary, monetarily speaking. It's made available to you. The gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, without a Savior, spiritual death is in store for everyone. So God sent Jesus to earth to save it. In the story of Jesus, most of you have probably heard it around Christmas time. You can look in, in, in the book of Luke. But the Holy Spirit came upon Mary. The messenger angel Gabriel comes and speaks to Mary. And he says, you're going to have a child. And if you remember, Mary says, how? I, I've not been with a man. And he says, you're going to have a child. And actually, your, your cousin Elizabeth is going to have a child as well. And the, the angel just goes ahead and says to Mary, listen, Mary, with God, there's nothing that's impossible. Come on, somebody. You need to hear that today. With God, there's nothing that's impossible. So sure enough, Mary had baby Jesus. Joseph was Jesus' earthly father, not his real father. Let me tell you why it's important that Joseph wasn't his real father, because then Jesus would not have been God. Come on now. Some people need to know this. Some people say, I can't believe that, that a virgin had a child. You better believe it, because if that was a human being that Mary had, just like birth from a man and a woman being together, a human can't save us from our sins. And so it was God that came to earth. Joseph was the earthly father. And Mary and Joseph raised this young man, and they knew he was special. They knew that he had a special assignment for his life, just based on what Gabriel had told them. You can imagine that, because Mary and Joseph had other kids after Jesus, you can imagine they wanted to tell him at times, why can't y'all be more like your brother? I mean, look at him. He makes his bed every day. It's perfect. Why can't y'all be like him? The first time we tell him to do something, he does it. The rest of you kids... Y'all have been there, right? But they knew that this child of theirs was, was here for a special reason. So I want us to check out this next scene. How many of you have ever felt like you were going through life, everything was going pretty smooth, and then all of a sudden your bus went off the bridge and 
you were drowning. Anybody ever felt that way before? Things were fine and just like that, things go south. The Bible shows us that whenever we keep our focus on Jesus, we're not going to drown. Let's go to the Gospels real quick. In Matthew 14, Jesus invites Peter to walk on the water with him. Peter sees Jesus out there and, and he calls out to him. And, and we know the story. Peter starts to walk on the water. Now, we also know the story that Peter started to look at his surroundings. And this is a really good lesson for us because whenever we start to look at our surroundings and we take our eyes off of Jesus, if Jesus is right ahead of us and we take our eyes off of him and we start to look at our surroundings, what started to happen to Peter? He started to sink. Whenever we keep our eyes on Jesus, he can always lift us up. Now, real quick, I got to give it up for Peter, though, because some people like to laugh at Peter because he's sunk. Can I go ahead and say this, that there were a bunch of disciples in the boat that never had the guts to get out of the boat. At least Peter had the guts to take the step out, right? And here they were. You know, those guys were giving him a hard time. But at least he took the step to get out of the boat. But if you feel overwhelmed, I want you to focus on Jesus. Don't focus on your situation because he's the one that can get you through it. And with this scene that we just watched a second ago, this is whenever people started to see in the movie that there was something very special about this young man. Of course, he pushed a bus out of water for Pete's sakes and that he has some kind of supernatural strength and abilities. And there was a time in Jesus's life whenever people started to see that he was special as well. I think a great parenting uh, moment in the Bible comes whenever, or it's just kind of a funny moment, whenever uh, Joseph and Mary lose Jesus for about three days. But they found him where? At the temple. And the word tells us that those men, who basically sharing the scripture, it says they were astonished. They were astonished with Jesus' replies whenever they were reciting the word of God. They started to see that this man was very special. And then we know about his first miracle at the age of 30, whenever he's at a wedding. And of course, there's no wine left, and he turns water into wine. And this was kind of the beginning of whenever the miracles started happening for Jesus. That was a big moment. But again, jumping back to the place of what we were talking about with the bus, if you've ever been at a place of feeling overwhelmed, if you've ever been at a place of feeling like you're going down and, and this is it for you, I want to encourage you, you're not out. God is able. Come on, somebody say God is able. And, and he can pick you up. Let's hit that next clip. Pretty amazing, isn't it? By the way, I'd just like to mention that guy almost looks as good as me whenever I'm out by the beach. <laughs> almost. How many of you know the guys on that oil rig were in a bad place? If you were going to be like stranded anywhere, that would be the worst place whenever there's nothing around you, right? Regina actually pointed. She said, this reminds me of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those men were in the fire, but it says there was a fourth man in the fire with them that came to their rescue. Amen. Once again, no matter what kind of battle you're walking through, no matter what kind of struggle you're going through, uh, I want you to know he's there with you. Amen. He's there with you. And some of you might feel like you're just in, in a place right now and, and you're like, Gene, you don't understand what I'm going through. I want you to know you're not walking through it by yourself. Amen. See, the Bible tells us that Jesus is just like a brother. He's close. He's right there with us. 
And whenever it seems like life's falling apart around you, you're not walking through all that by yourself whenever you are a child of God. It could be a relationship situation that you're walking through. Maybe you feel like you've been abandoned because someone left you. Uh, maybe there's something going on at work. Maybe it's a family situation. I don't, I don't know what it could be, but I want you to know you're not going through that by yourself. Jesus has been with you on your best day, and I promise you he was with you on your worst day. And we need to always remember that, that he'll never leave us, nor will he ever forsake us. It's a promise from the word of God. Some of you feel like you just need some relief. Some of you feel like you have no hope. Um, uh, some of you have maybe even had the thought that you just wish you could die to just end it all. I, I want you to know those are not thoughts from God. Those are, of course, thoughts of the enemy. John 10.10 10 says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Those, those are the three things he comes, but the Lord wants us to have life, and not just any life, an abundant life. Somebody say abundant life. In other words, he wants you to wake up in the morning happy that you're alive. Why? Because you have hope. Somebody say hope for me today. You have hope because of what he's done for you. And I want you to know that suicide is going through the roof right now because there are people who are overwhelmed and they don't know what the answer is. And we have the answer, Jesus Christ, for them, right? And that's a spirit that's running around our country right now with suicide. And, and I actually had something. Well, let me tell you a quick story. I was coming back. Uh, from Honduras this weekend, and I was in the airport, you know, checking my bag, and there was a guy, obviously military, you could tell because of his backpack, and I just mentioned to him, I said, you know, you're in the, the army, he said, yeah, and of course, I wanted to thank him for his service, and I said, are you stationed here, and he said, I am, and he had mentioned to me he'd been here for nine months, or in Honduras for nine months, and, and so I just made the comment, I said, you're traveling light, because all he had was a backpack, and he said, I'm having to make an emergency trip home. And he said, home is Ohio. And so then here I go prying. Because whenever somebody says there's an emergency trip, how many of you know the Lord says there's something that they need prayer about? Yeah. So I said, um, can I ask what, what the emergency is? And he said, well, my 18-year-old took her life yesterday. <laughs> it's one thing to say mom's sick or dad's sick, but to hear that their child took their life. Of course, we had an opportunity. I had two other pastors with me. I said, y'all, it's time to pray. And we got to speak to the guy. We got to minister to the guy. We got to make sure the guy knew the Lord. And he said this. He said, I know the Lord. He said, I'm not doing the best job at walking with him or something like that. But y'all, this was a man who was hurting at that time. But you know, you, you can be going through the hardest thing, but I want you to know the Lord's still there with you. He's walking with you. Can somebody say amen to that? And I want you to understand this. Philippians 3.20 tells us that we're citizens of heaven. We're citizens of where? Heaven. Even before we're Americans, we're citizens of heaven, right? Our, our time here on earth in America is totally temporary. Because for eternity, we're going to be in heaven if we know the Lord, right? So the, the worst thing that's ever going to happen to us or the worst period of our lives are going to be right here on earth because it's only going to get better. Somebody say it's only going to get better. Romans 8.18 talks about the fact that what we deal with right now, the hard things that we walk through, they, they pale in comparison of what we will experience whenever we're in the presence of God. They pale in comparison. So once again, he's with you. He hasn't gone anywhere. Somebody say amen to that. We have hope, all right? Let's hit that next clip.
y'all, our Savior was on earth for 33 years. And for three years of that, between the ages of 30 and 33, he went around doing good. If you think about the life of Jesus and the Gospels, whenever you see it, he loved people. He took care of the hurting. He befriended the hurting, the ones that no one else would often deal with, like with lepers or have association with. Jesus would befriend him. He was a friend to the outcast. But a lot of people, unfortunately, the religious folks had a problem with him doing good. Doesn't that seem backwards? They felt threatened by him is ultimately what it was, and, and they were determined to take him down. Maybe you're trying to do the right thing, and there's some people that are not happy with you right now. It happens. You ever dealt with that at work, maybe? It happens from time to time. Uh, did you notice that he said, do whatever you've got to do there at the end? Think about after Jesus was arrested. Uh, think about you know the fact that he went without a fight, now, we know that old Peter, Peter put up a little bit of a fight. Whenever Jesus is on trial, Pilate looks at him in Matthew 27, verse 13. He says, do you not hear all these allegations that are made against you? In other words, he was saying, defend yourself. Why won't you say something? And it says that Jesus remained silent. In other words, do whatever you've got to do. And you want to know why he didn't say a word? He didn't defend himself because he knew he had to get to that cross for you and me. He had to get to that cross for you and me. He knew what the big plan was, what the big picture was. But he came to earth as a human. And I want you to know, he knows what you are experiencing on earth as a human being. He knows what it's like to not have friends at times. He knows what it's like to be an outcast. He knows what it's like to be mocked. He knows what it's like to be made fun of. He knows what it's like for friends who say, I'll be your friend forever, to all of a sudden say, I don't even know who he is. He knows what it's like. Hebrews 4.15 says, our high priest, Jesus, understands our weaknesses. He understands your struggle whenever you're tempted. You see, Satan went after him and Satan tried to tempt him so many different ways. He understands it. It says, for he faced all the same testings that we do, but yet he didn't sin either. Jesus knows what it's like to be a human because he was on the earth for 33 years. He even knows what it's like if you've lost a loved one recently, he knows what that's like too. Seriously. We don't hear of Joseph after Jesus was found in the temple. Joseph is not mentioned. So sometime between the age of whatever Jesus was at that point, roughly 13-ish, and 30, whenever his ministry starts, Joseph apparently passed away. And that's why whenever you look at the book of John, whenever Jesus is hanging on the cross, he tells Mary, this is your son, John. And then John, this is the mother that you're going to take care of. And he was telling John, take care of my mother. Why? Because my father's not here to take care of her anymore. Jesus knows what it's like even to lose a loved one. He's been through all the same things that you and I have gone through. And he came to this earth and he had one person on his mind. And y'all, that's us individually, every one of us. He was thinking about you. He said, do whatever you've got to do because I've got to get to the cross for Charles, for Brittany, for Todd, for Misha, for Michelle, for Regina, for everybody. I've got to get to the cross for them. Amen? And he was going to do whatever it was to accomplish him. So let's watch this very last clip right I want you to know this, God sent his son for all of us to be saved because why we needed a savior. Amen. Amen. And without Jesus coming to earth, y'all, we would all be headed for an eternity of separation with God. Here's the truth I want you to get today. There's no other way of salvation. There's no other way 
to eternity in heaven unless you have a personal relationship with Jesus. That's the only way. It doesn't matter what other religions say. It doesn't matter how good you are. There's actually been pastors who have been uh, recorded on TV that said they believe Jesus is a way to heaven. Listen to me, there's, there's one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. He's the only way. He's the way. He's the truth. He is the life. The Bible says no one comes to the Father except by him or me, is what Jesus was saying there. But it doesn't matter how good you are. And it's not to just know of God. It's to truly know and have a relationship with God. Many of you here in the church have heard of my father who planted this church. Maybe you haven't met him or you didn't meet him before he passed away. But you can know of Gene Sr., but you didn't know him. You can know there's a God and say there's a God, but you must know him. Come on now. You've got to have a relationship with him. 1 Timothy 2.4 tells us that God's desires is that all men would come to know him. He wants everyone to come to know him as Savior. Romans 3.23 says that everyone has sinned. All. All. Somebody say all. You know what that means in the South? There ain't no more. All have sinned and they've fallen short of God's glorious standard. But once again, Romans 5, 8 gives us some hope. God demonstrated his own love for us. He demonstrated his love for you. He demonstrated his love for me. That while we were still sinners, this is key. While we were still, somebody say still. When we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we were still sinners, he gave his son for us. When we were still messed up, he, he died for us. He didn't do sometimes like we do with our kids and we say, well, whenever you act good, I will do this for you. Or whenever you get all A's, I will do this for you. He didn't do that. He gave his son Jesus and Jesus sacrificed his life. Even while you were still messed up, even while I was still messed up, Christ died for me and Christ died for you. In the movie, Clark says that the S was actually a symbol of hope and not an S. I want you to know we have our own symbol of hope and that's the cross of Jesus Christ. Come on somebody, give God some praise. Can you all stand with me today? Romans 10, 9 and 10 says this, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be, somebody say will be, will be saved. Those are what we call covenant words in the Bible. In other words, that's the way it is and there's no other way. You will be saved for it's with the heart, it's with your heart that you believe and are justified and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. You're saved. Romans 10, 13 says that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter how much money you got. It doesn't matter where your family comes from. It doesn't matter what you've dealt with in the past, what your family dealt with in the past. It's all an even playing field for us. Everyone, somebody say everyone. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If there's anybody here today and you're not sure that you have a personal relationship with Jesus, today is the day of salvation. 
I want you to know every day people die. Literally every minute somebody dies more often than that. And every minute someone is in separation from God. Of course, there are many that that have a relationship with God, but so many people are dying and not knowing God. And I want to tell you today, it's so simple to have a relationship with Him. You need to understand how much He loves you. He loves you. And that's the reason God sent Jesus to earth, was to save you. His desire, once again, that all would come to repentance and know Him. And let me ask you this question. If you were to die in the next five minutes, not to be dark, let's just be, let's get real for a minute. If you were to die in the next five minutes, are you 100, and I mean 100% sure, that you would spend eternity with God? If there is one ounce of doubt, we need to fix that today. We need to fix that today. We're all going to pray together. And we're going to ask Jesus to come into our heart. We're going to ask Jesus to save us. If you believe what we just read in Romans 10, 9, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then it says you will be saved. Can we all pray together today? Come on, can we all pray together today? Come on, repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I ask you for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and you rose from the dead. Today I turn from my sins and I invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Now say amen and give God some praise. Amen for what he did. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time today, I would love to know it. I would love to just have just literally a minute to talk with you about maybe the next steps of just your relationship with the Lord. It, it would be just awesome to talk with you. But y'all, we have reason to have hope. Amen? Even though things seem dark in the world around us, there's a lot of craziness going on. If we just focus on Him and remember we're citizens of heaven, and if you just prayed that for the first time, you are a citizen of heaven. It only gets gooder from here. That's right. That's the southern word. It only gets gooder from here. Amen. All right, come on. Let's worship with one more. Thank you again for listening to Church Alive's Teaching of the Week with Pastor Gene Amoson. We invite you to join us for our Sunday morning worship service every Sunday at 10 o'clock or learn more at churchalive.net.